Hi everyone, welcome back to another episode of Beauty in the Brain, the podcast where we discuss all things aesthetics. I'm your co-host, Dr. Chris Crowley. And I'm Jerry Drinker, family nurse practitioner. Today we're gonna to be discussing some fun things including our skincare journey, like kind of where we've been over the past few years and where we're headed um, and how our journeys have changed. Yeah, it's super exciting. Not only are, are we gonna share our personal skincare journey with you, we're gonna change up the podcast a little bit. We're gonna start answering some viewer questions. Uh, we're gonna go ahead at the beginning of the podcast and we'll answer one that we uh, had submitted to us through the Beauty and the Brain Facebook private group. And so if you wanna join that, go on the website, go on any of our social media and make a request. We'd love to have you as part of the Facebook group. And then we're gonna go right into the uh, podcast and, and talk about our personal skincare routines. How did we get here? What are we doing now? How has that changed and evolved over time? How has it changed as we've aged? Because it's clearly different now than it was 15 uh, years ago. Our skin conditions are a little bit different. So we're excited to talk about these things and um, we're really appreciative that you guys uh, chose to listen to us again. I think it's um, it's one of those things that have, has changed a lot over the the past few years. And our viewer that sent in the question was about things that we should be doing to prevent further damage to our skin and what should we do going from this point forward for anti-aging. I think one of the main things that, that we forget, and especially the residents of Florida, is the sun protection. Like we just don't realize how important it is, even from a childhood point. I don't remember as a kid, necessarily having sunscreen because I was from the generation my mom had on baby oil and iodine. And so sunscreen wasn't as big as it is with parents now. What about with your situation? Yeah, we really didn't uh, pay close attention to sunscreen either. And I always typically tan fairly easily. Um, some of my, uh, my siblings, especially my brother, I mean, you, you know him well, and, and he would burn really. And so I can remember my mom paying very close attention to making sure he was coated with sunscreen. But I think there was a, a thought at that time that if you didn't burn, you didn't need sun protection. And so for, for me and, and my sisters that tan pretty easily, uh, we never really thought about putting sunscreen on. Well, back to the the original question, I think that's probably one of the number one things that we can do on our part of our daily routine is like we always said from from our very first introduction to skincare when we started aesthetics um, training years ago was cleanse, protect, and moisturize. And so those are big things and I think probably it could even be in a different order. I think protection is as important as if not more important than than the others. Today, you know, most makeups have protection, but that's also not necessarily enough, so. Yeah, so Ms. Patty, to answer your question about what you should be doing or things that we should be thinking about, I think probably the, the one of the things, and we'll cover it a lot throughout this podcast when we talk about different tips, but really is the importance of some sort of daily sunscreen, daily protection, not just as needed, not just when you go out to the beach. So let's uh, transition from that a, a little bit and um, jump into our own personal skincare journeys and how ours has evolved over time. So you wanna talk a little bit about maybe even back, I know you had some stuff done even in your teens. My skin's always been a challenge and I think probably like a lot of kids, I battled acne starting, I was probably truly about 15 or 16 when it started. Fortunately, my mom and my grandmother was progressive enough to help me get some attention. And I think one of the very first things I did was Retin-A. There were some over-the-counter treatments I did, Stridex, I don't know if that's even still around, and 
Noxzema pads and different things because I've just always been super oily. And with that being said, I think that's probably at the point that I really started paying attention to my skin was probably in my, my mid-teens when I became interested in my appearance a little more. And it's been a hard journey because after that, you know, then I battled the acne scarring that I've had and we'll talk more about it, but I mean, that's been a journey in itself, something I still battle today. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I mean, mine was a little bit different, so I, I really didn't battle acne a lot. I was fortunate, so I did have some typical kind of teen stuff, but it never was super severe, so I didn't deal with the acne scarring. I didn't have to go through some of those aggressive treatments, so for me, I didn't start a skincare routine early. I didn't use sunscreen early, so I was fortunate that um, I kind of ventured into the aesthetic filled still at a young enough age that um, I could start doing some of these things and I didn't have any, a lot of residual damage uh, to deal with from kind of my childhood years. And, and so I think that was just being a little bit lucky and having some good genetics and then getting into this field at a time that I, I could have availability of some of the products I could start using pretty early on. On that topic, what do you think are some of the things that our uh, listeners, they need to consider when they're looking at things to do for their skin, like their skin type, their prior reactions, problem areas, et cetera. Well, I, th I think that, you know, our collagen production starts to diminish in our 20s. And so I think from a young age that we need to focus on that. And the severity of how aggressive you wanna be with that certainly depends on the condition of your skin, the things that you're battling. Also, it depends on, on your age. And so me personally, I like to do something collagen stimulating and I encourage all of our patients at the clinic to do some type of collagen stimulating treatment quarterly. And I think that can be something as mild as a microdermabrasion, a microneedling, a chemical pill, device treatment with one of our lasers. There are a lot of different things, but the other thing people don't think about being collagen stimulating is some of the cosmeceuticals. Mm -hmm. I think that that's one of the easiest things to start on is a good skincare regimen. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that is probably one of the simplest things. And then, of course, we have a lot of different things that we can incorporate that are collagen stimulating even in early 20s to 30s. So some of our injectables that um, we've traditionally talked about being for more of our middle-aged patients, um, we are starting to use them more as a preventive in some of our younger patients. I think a lot of, uh, a lot of people who have either seen me as a patient or maybe um, we have some listeners out there that have taken a, a class with me and I often mention that you know some of my favorite products are the ones that promote collagen stimulation and so personally for both of us we've had sculpture injections into our face and it's one of our uh, you know my personal favorite treatments. You always say if you're stranded on an island with one product, <laughs> Sculpture is the product you want to have with you. Yeah, constantly I um, actually remind Jerry and a lot of the patients that please don't take my Sculpture away. We just there, had this conversation yesterday. <laughs> we sure did. But uh, there, there are a lot of great products that we have available from that are different biostimulators. I personally happen to like that one and we've had really good success with it in our practice and we can now start that at a younger age. So as this collagen production starts to uh, diminish, we do have not only topicals and things that you can do at home, but we have things we can do in the office to really kind of help uh, promote collagen production. In addition to a whole range of different sorts of energy-based devices, lasers, plasma devices, and things like that that we have now that, that really wasn't available to us without some pretty significant risk and side effects even a decade ago.
I think all of these evolution of skincare is is pretty amazing because at one point it almost felt like it like some of these things weren't attainable for the normal working person, and you know it was almost like a Hollywood treatment. I remember the um, the first time Dr. Runnels suggested that I had Botox in in one eye to correct an asymmetry. I thought I'd never put Botox in my face, and you know here I am 25 years later with a lot of Botox, but. Um, Anyway, I really think that with the evolution of devices, it makes it where it's really attainable for everyone. And there's something at a lot of different price points. It doesn't have to break the bank. And that's part of what we do is part of our job is to figure out what works best for a person's budget, what works best for a person's skin, what's gonna be the, you know, what's their optimal um, goal? What are they wanting and how can we help them to achieve that goal? Um, and do it in a way because downtime is something that's not really easy here in Florida because we have a very short time when we're not exposed to the sun. I know we're trying to, um, you know, make sure that we keep the podcast within, uh, you know, a short drive listening, so 20 to 30 minutes, but uh, can you tell me in that time what all things you've had done over the years? (laughs) (laughs) Probably not. (laughs) Tune in for the next episode. So I started, I mentioned briefly about, having Botox done and that was I was probably in my mid-20s and it was to correct an asymmetry I had due to a scar on my eye and then um, if we want to back up I had a chemical pill prior to that that was pretty aggressive for acne scarring and that was in my early 20s Um, my 20th around my 20th birthday I had a rhinoplasty um, and then had a slight revision of that somewhere in my mid-20s or maybe early, yeah, probably mid-20s. I um, have consistently done a lot of like treatments for my, for my acne and scars. So um, Retin-A, I think, is the, one of the things that we talk about a lot in clinic, and it's probably one of the best anti-aging things that is out there that's that's very reasonably priced. So I've been pretty consistent on Retin-A. I always try to use some type of good cosmeceutical. Obviously, I've had a few rounds of Sculptra, uh, some fillers here and there. I've had a little Botox, sprinkling of Botox, and an occasional, like, little snug from a doctor if I need something more than I've gone to other places. But you're also, you haven't been like shy on doing any of these things. You just don't like needles so much. So what all yeah, so I think there's a lot of options, but I think kind of one of the things that I wanted to, to bring up when people ask us, because we do get asked this question a lot, is what do you guys do? What do you do personally? And they want to hear about our personal treatments. But I think kind of just to, you know, uh, point out everything you just said, it, it's really multimodal. So you're, we're not doing one thing that fixes and addresses all those issues. And so we have access to all sorts of like energy-based devices in our office. We have lasers and plasma devices and uh, ultrasound lifting devices and injectables and uh, threads for lifting. And we've really kind of, uh, you know, ran the gamut of both of us trying one or uh, many or all of those treatments. And uh, even with all of that, we both had surgical procedures as well to try to, you know, maintain the look that we feel is best for us. So this, not that anybody needs any of these things, but if it makes you feel better and you have availability to get it, why not try it? So for me personally, I'm a baby, like I'm a huge baby. So anybody that that knows me knows that, and I don't tolerate these treatments really well. 
I think, I, you know, we use laughing gas in the office, and I always joke that when Jerry treats me, we need a splitter on it, and one for him to tolerate me being a baby during the treatment, and one for me to get through the treatment. Um, but uh, I have had quite a few things done. So uh, primarily, uh, you know, I've kept up on um, my Botox or Dysport. Dysport's the product that we use a lot in our office. It's a, it's a neurotoxin or a, a Botox-type uh, product that's out there that um, we use in our office. I've had that, some biostimulating treatments with sculpture, a little bit of filler uh, here and there. And um, I've also had surgical procedures. So I've had liposuction um, under my neck. Um, you know, we've done a couple of things to try to tighten that. Uh, the Neogen Plasma device is one of our, uh, we're one of the only practices in the area to offer that, and it's been really a great treatment for me, for my eyelids, for tightening up along my jawline and my neck. So again, it's a combination therapy. It's not one thing that fixes all of that. And um, I'm also using a, a really uh, good, high-quality skincare line at home to make sure that I maintain the results from everything we're doing. So both of us have kind of, you know, went through that whole range. With that, how do you advise patients and, you know, what's your process when they come into the office or let's say they're not even visiting us if they're just listening what would you advise them to do to start picking out a regimen or, or identifying what they need at home what they can do before they get injections you have to decide your goals I think that's one of the main things and so I always look at my patient consultation as one of the most important visits for the duration because when a patient comes in the door I, want, I expect for that patient to be with us for a long time. And so I think for patients choosing what, what goal, what's your goal, is it simply anti-aging? Is there a problem that you're working on, such as me in my younger years, um, you know, acne-prone skin? Is it, um, are you trying to do some corrective action to your skin? Do you need something more aggressive than just an, an over-the-counter? Do you need a, a stronger grade cosmeceutical? Do you need a prescription strength? Do you need an energy-based device? Do you need a combination of all of these things? And like you said, it's multimodal. I don't think there's any one thing that corrects everything. There is not any one thing. You know, our most popular treatment right now probably is the Neogen Plasma. It's won a lot of awards in um, this year, best non-surgical facelift, I think is what it was. And, you know, we talk about it for skin tightening, but it's also a phenomenal collagen-stimulating treatment with minimum amount of downtime. And I think that it would be really challenging to find someone that didn't benefit from it, regardless of age. And so once we get our patients in and we get them on a, a regimen, the way that we try to do is to lay out a plan for them and we can arrange that plan around what they want around their schedule and around a budget. So I think the patient has as big a say or more say in that than, than anything. They look for to us for recommendations and some guidance and so that's my thought on it. You, you kind of touched on it a little bit when we first started. I mean, like for years, we would tell people like, you don't have to spend all of this money on products that we have. We obviously offer a skincare line, but they need a good cleanser, moisturizer, and sunscreen. I think that forms the basis and, and we all could benefit from that basic regimen. So something that's um, gonna be, you know, gentle cleansing, not stripping all the, the necessary oils out of our skin, something that's gonna, you know, make sure that we uh, don't dry out the skin too much and something to protect us daily from uh, the UV damage or the photo aging that, that we all kind of have problems from. So we would love to see you in the practice or recommend that you see uh, some uh, aesthetic uh, provider or professional you know, in your area, wherever you may be located, and they can help uh, really design a program around your goals and help uh, get you the skincare products that will help you meet those goals. 
And then that may or may not include incorporating injectables or energy-based uh, energy uh, devices. But there are some other things that uh, I also like to think about when we're, we're you know, talking about these things. And I always um, kind of have this discussion with patients. There's a lot of lifestyle things that they can do. They don't have to spend money on. Some of the big things that we see are, are smoking cessation. So we know that that definitely accelerates the aging process. We have patients in the practice that are, are smokers that we treat, and we know that uh, they struggle a bit more to get the same degree of collagen production, and we have to do a lot more you know, corrective work on that. We know that uh, you know, if you're a smoker, poor diet, sun worshiper. Proper hydration, hydration is just huge in skin. And it, you know, we, we do so many things that um, do alter the hydration in skin. And you know, we treat a lot of perimenopausal, postmenopausal men and women. And so you know, the hormone impact and the external factors like smoking and sun exposure, chemical exposures, you know, all of these things are things to take into consideration. And so you know, I think the, the hydration component's often overlooked and it's, it's something that can be easily corrected. There's so many things that go into having a, a healthy exterior. Yeah, exactly. And, it, and one of the things that, you know, again, kind of with that, you know, we talk about, uh, you know, menopausal women, andropausal men, hormonal changes, but, uh, you know, kind of some of the other things that factor in with that as we age is the different life stressors and stress management techniques. I think uh, we probably don't, um, any of us, take the time that we need to really focus on some of the stress management things that we can all incorporate. So whether it's a short daily meditation when you wake up in the morning, some sort of exercise routine, some how to manage your stress. And definitely I'm the, you know, the not one to, to throw stones here because I don't do a good job of that myself. But for sure, um, I think that's something that we all at least need to um, consider. Let's talk about some of the common myths and misconceptions that we hear often from patients. Is there anything that jumps out to you that you, you hear often and you think that's not true? I don't know how this got passed around. Um, I, something that I've heard a few times recently is, and, and I don't hear this from our young patients, it's mostly um, middle-aged patients about not wanting to start Botox because they don't want to look worse if they decide not to get it. And so I think there's a, a misconception that doing Botox and then deciding to stop Botox is going to make, make you age faster. And so that's one that I've heard, heard just recently for some reason. I don't know if there's something been in the news or what, but I've heard that. The other thing that, um, that I've heard recently, and I just saw a patient this week, is a patient with um, filler that had a, a response that she wasn't sure maybe related to an implant syndrome that she had. And so she had um, she'd had her implants removed and she was curious if some of her symptoms that she had later after she had lip filler actually was related to the, to the dermal filler that, that we placed and because the filler is actually an implant. And so that was a question. I don't know that it necessarily falls into that myth, but it was an interesting question that I did have come up. So what about you? Have you had something recently? Yeah, I mean, I haven't had really any of that come up recently. You know, I think to me, a common misconception is that tan skin is prettier skin. And so especially in this area, we have a lot of patients that want to go um, and, and they do a lot of uh, indoor tanning. Um, they're doing, you know, a lot of UV exposure. And I think if you like that skin tone, if you think you look better with a little bit of a, a brown color, I do. I mean, I like it as well personally, but I think we have really good options now that are available for self tanners, for sunless tanning, things that, um, you know, we can use instead of getting into- Melanotan. Tanning. 
Yeah, Melantown. We have a whole uh, podcast, I think, topic on that, or at least it's one of the questions that's going to come up is how can we tan without exposure to UV light? So we'll talk about that, but but that's not <laughs> that was for those that don't know. Melanotan is a it's a peptide that's on the market that increases your um, melanocyte production, and so you get a darker skin color without exposure to the sun. So yeah, so we'll talk more about that and some of the kind of things that's uh, you know associated with that particular peptide. But I was thinking more of the self tanners and avoiding. UV exposure, but you know, I also think that it's a myth that tan skin looks better because some of our patients that we struggle the most with trying to give them a more youthful appearance are the ones that are the most tanned. Glowing skin looks better. Glowing healthy, skin looks great. healthy skin is just pretty, and you know, I've always said that when your skin's healthy and has a pretty glow to it, you really don't notice the the fine lines and wrinkles as much. And I can't tell you how many patients we have come in that are in their 60s and 70s that they have the fine lines and wrinkles, but they're just absolutely beautiful. And they've done a really good job at taking care of their skin, you know, sun protection, they moisturize, they're on a good um, home regimen, they see us, you know, quarterly for some different things. And, um, and, you know, they don't fight every line and every wrinkle. And so I think like a healthy skin is a pretty skin. Yeah, I agree with that. So let's go through, I have a list here of some of our viewer questions and let's kind of go through them just rapid fire and as we wrap this podcast up. So um, I know you've answered this one before, so I'm gonna ask you uh, this. What inspired you to get into skincare in the first place? My whole skincare journey, I had an interest obviously from a young age just because of my, my personal battles. But then from a practitioner standpoint, it was burnout that I was burnout as a, I was in administration with a large home health, health company and was looking for something different. It was something that was appealing to me. Um, it was something where I didn't think that I would have a lot of employees. I didn't know where the journey would take me to where we are now, but that's kind of the whole reason I got into it initially because I had, an, I had that interest there and it seemed like a fun field. Good. I don't know if you uh, have any questions coming up on yours, but I'll pick another one from um, mine. If you could only use one skincare product for the rest of your life, what would it be? Well, let's defer that one back to you since you've already talked a little bit about it. Mine's <laughs> well, that's gonna, an mine's gonna, mine's gonna, well, yeah, that's an injectable. So Sculptra would be too. the one that I would pick for that. I mean, if there was only one that I could um, use from this point forward, I would say it's gonna be a good um, vitamin C uh, serum. So I love a good vitamin C serum. There are several brands that I've used that I, that I like, and um, we, you know, we carry uh, some in our practice, but really a good vitamin C serum, I think does a, a great job for me at helping keep my skin bright and glowing and helping some of the pigment changes. Yeah, mine's a little different just because of my skin type. I'm extremely oily, I have large pores, and because of the acne scars, and so I'm gonna go with the Retin-A. Sounds good. Have you ever had a skincare mishap or a regrettable moment and how did you handle it? <laughs> yeah, I, kind of, I had one today. And so um, prior to the podcast, um, we use a powder to keep us from getting too shiny. And I didn't realize that I powdered myself with blush and everyone thought that I was having an allergic reaction. And so I guess that was my most recent skincare mishap is that I put a thing of blush all over my face. Yeah, so, so. for those of you who don't know, Jerry is uh, colorblind. So he didn't see colors that well. And obviously neither of us um, wear any kind of makeup um, routinely, but for filming purposes with the lights and the shine on the cameras, we do put some, <laughs> some sort of powder on to keep it from shining so much. And he got a little confused and, and what he thought was powder was blush. And when he walked out, we all looked at him like, wow, what have you done? Like you're clearly having 
a reaction and he's like, no. Sierra, our manager, thought that I was having an allergic reaction. Danny, the cameraman, said, wow, you're really red. <laughs> and Chris is like, you need to go wash your face. You've made a mistake. <laughs> so that was my mishap for today. I'm sure there'll be another one tomorrow. Yeah, mine's been mostly, um, you know, definitely I've had some, my skin is super sensitive. And so I've been a little bit more aggressive than um, I planned on being with some at-home uh, chemical peels and things over the years where I put uh, a product on that I thought would be really gentle and then it ended up being a pretty significant peel. Now, I love the results after I got over it and uh, fortunately I didn't scar from any of that, but that's probably been my biggest mishaps is uh, being a little bit more aggressive with at-home products than um, I intended on being. I, I think I have one more I wanna, and we can wrap up, but like how's your skincare regimen changed since you're like closer to 50 than 20? Mm -hmm. Yeah, so as I'm getting older, my skin is getting drier. So I did have oil, more oily skin back in my 20s, and I did have to deal with, uh, I had to be careful with some of the products that I was using because some of the heavier moisturizers would definitely, um, you know, maybe cause a breakout. Or it was a little bit too much, and so I would use lighter moisturizers back at that time. Now, I have to say I, I started in uh, on a really good skincare routine in my early 20s, so I've, I've never used, like, harsh soaps or anything on my skin. And so I've been pretty consistent with using a, a good quality cleanser, but over time I've had to use moisturizers that are a little bit more heavy duty because as I've uh, got closer, you know, to, to 50, my skin is definitely drier than it was. And um, I deal also with more pigment changes. So early on I've, I didn't have as many pigment issues um, as I do now. So there's definitely some uneven pigmentation. And so I'm using products uh, like the vitamin C serum and, um, you know, some other ones that typically lighten or even my skin tone and doing some energy-based treatments. Good deal. All right. We love answering your questions. That's probably the funnest thing that we it get is. to do with the podcast. So keep them coming. Go on our uh, social media. You can go on our website at skinandtonic.pro or you can join the Beauty in the Brain uh, Facebook group. Thanks again, everyone, for uh, tuning in for Beauty in the Brain. We want you to listen next week as well. We have more exciting topics coming up. <laughs>